Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we just come down. We just thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we are committed to your word and to do your word. And Lord, we thank you for it. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come today and open our ears, open our eyes. Lord, give us revelations in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of your calling. And Lord, what is the greatness of the power that you've given to us through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You know, once, one day I was walking, I walk in here every morning and I was praying. And, and you know, there's been a, a, a real move of the Holy Spirit in the lives. If you watch much TV and what's going on, the grace message is being preached in a powerful way. More than I've ever seen it. But there's also been a, an attack towards the grace message that's coming up. And one's that's attacking is calling it hyper grace message and all this. And so I was grieved and, uh, and I was asking the Lord, you know, when we talk about exchange, really you're talking about grace. Because you can't separate grace from exchange. You know, John 1, it says that the, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And you know the Holy Spirit and grace are one. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. He has come. And I was thinking a while ago I was worshiping, and you remember what Paul said when he, he was speaking to these guys in the book of Acts. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and spirit, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so are you. And see, that's the spirit of Antichrist that's resisting the grace of God. And so there's only two sources. And so he said, you always resist the Holy Ghost. And see, that's the thing that grieves me about what's going on because, you know, Jesus paid so much for us to have this privilege and honor to, to like Anita said, it's so simple. You know, and, he, and Paul said, I pray that, that your eyes may be open, he says, that you may see the simplicity that's in Christ. Because Satan's blinded your eyes to the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. He wants to make it complicated. It's not complicated. It's simple. But as I was asking the Lord what's going on there, he said, because those that are resisting the grace of God don't want to lose control of their old souls, their mind, will, and emotion, the change message is better to them because they can choose what part of their old life they can live without but stay in control of the part they like. Not only that, but he said, yeah, he says the deception of control is that it's Satan, not them that's in control. There's only one, two sources of control. One is Satan, one is God. You're either in one or the other. Let me read it again. Because the change medicines is better because they can choose what part of their old soul they can live without, but stay in control of the part they like. And the deception of that control is that it's Satan, not them in control. That was the answer. Now, see, all of that change message is what the law produced. The law demands you change. But grace and truth exchanges you. And gives you the liberty that comes with it. So that's the battle we're facing now. And, you know, I was praying and, and, and he was showing me some things here. And, uh, 
You know, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glory of God shine unto them. See, that he's blinded. What does that mean? He's put a veil or covering over it. But see, Jesus has come to lift the covering so we can see. We can see. And you know, I was thinking about what Paul said in Romans. He said concerning Israel. He says, I wish myself was a curse for my people, Israel, because they're blinded. And he said, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And I I say to the church today that's fighting this grace message, you're in the same boat. Whenever you're trying to establish your own righteousness by changing or your works, you're doing the same thing. But the good part of it is you don't have to be a curse for them because Jesus has already been cursed so he could make you whole. He took upon himself the curse so we could make free from the curse. And that's what uh, in in Galatians chapter 3 He says, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You're cursed with a curse. When you move into change, you've brought the curse back on you. And what is the curse? It's the curse of the law. And it doesn't work for you. It never will work. Amen? Amen. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he says, Enter into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. It carries you away, is that word leads. And many there be which go thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow or hard is the way that leads into life. It's not just unto, it's into life, Zoe, and few there be that find it. And I was telling Kent what the Lord showed me over a year ago. The narrow path is not necessarily a path you walk, but it's the way you think. The natural mind is not subject to God and never will be. So if you're trying to renew your old mind, it's never going to work. But we have the mind of Christ. It's the narrow way of thinking. It's the way of the new creation thinking. That's the new life. That's the way that leads to life. The Message Bible says this. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for success. Life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life is the way of God. The vigorous requires a total attention, and I put death to self. There's only one way to life, and that's death. Except the kernel of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And then he says, he that saveth his life or soul will lose it, but he that loses his soul shall find it. See, it's an exchange. It's not a matter of change. It's a matter of exchange in that old life. Amen? Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now, in Galatians, I want to read this scripture in Galatians. I may not get through today, but that's okay. It wouldn't be the first time, would it? Galatians. He says in Galatians 1.15, he's talking about what happened to him. Uh, Let me read, oh, man. Let me start in verse 14. And he's, he's talking here, and he said, and I profited in the Jewish religion above many of my equals in my own nation. See, it's okay to p- compare yourselves among yourselves, Steve, when you're under the law. But it doesn't work under new men. Being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my father. 
But when it pleased God, catch this, who separated me from my mother's womb. That was a long time, wasn't it? From my mother's womb and called me by his grace. What did he call him by? His grace to do what? To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And neither did I go up to the Jerusalem where the apostles was, but I went to Arabia and to Damascus. See, when it pleased, to reveal his son in me. Amen? But you know what he said here? He said, beware of false prophets. Right after he said, enter into the straight gate. Beware of false prophets. And you know what he said? Those are the ones that says, there's another way. There's many ways. Have you heard that around the world? There's many ways to God, not just one. And there's an easier way. That's a false prophet. Beware that say, there's another door. See, there's not another door. There's not another gate. You remember when Jesus said, what did he say? Let's look in John chapter 10. I want you to see something. Now, we're going to shine it in a little different light. Jesus said in John 10, 1, Verily I say unto you, He that entereth not into the door of the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way as a thief and a robber. Now I want to tell you, any time you try to go through that gate any other way than through Jesus Christ and his righteousness alone that's been given to you, you're a thief, you're, you're operating by the spirit of a thief and a robber. Amen? There's not another way. Works righteousness is not an option. It's only by the grace of God that we can enter in through the door. And he says, but he that entereth into the door is the shepherd to the sheep. To him the porter open, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his sheep, his sheep go before him, and his sheep follow him. Why? They know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Do you know your old heart, it says, is deceitful and desperately wicked? It also says the heart knows its own bitterness, and the stranger does not intermeddle with his joy. See, when God said the old heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, it is. That's why he said, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'll take away the stony heart, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. That's why he gives us a new heart, because the old one cannot be trusted. And that old heart is part of that old soul, mind, will, and emotion. See, that's part of that old thing that you have to let die if you want to live. That's what Jesus said many times. You've got you to let it go. And that's the deception that comes with this thing. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 17. We've talked about this a few times, but you know, in Luke 17, verse 20. Now, a lot of times it's important to see who Jesus was talking to at the time. Now, remember, Jesus was born of woman, born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. He came to his own, those that were under the law. But they didn't receive him, did they? Okay. So here it says, when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom should come. So who's he talking to? He says, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither say, lo, here, lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It is in you. And he said unto his disciples, The day will come when you shall desire to see one day of the Son of Man and not see it. And there you shall say, See here, see there, go not after them or follow them. For as lightning that lights up in one part under the heaven and shines to the other part under heaven, so will it be the Son of Man in his day. 
But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it <clears throat> was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man. They did eat and drink. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and the floods came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, <clears throat> as in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, and they bought, they sold, planted, and built. Business as usual. But in the same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. <clears throat> you know, when I read that revealed, that means to take the cover off. Takes the cover off. See, Jesus hadn't been crucified. Jesus hadn't been made manifest yet. But he was fixing to be. You know, too, I think too much of the time, I know this may apply to the second coming. But I want to tell you, everything he's prepared for us, he's already given to us. You know, he said many times to disciples, he said, I have many things to say to you, but you can't understand it yet. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will take of mine and show it unto you. Because he says, and, and, and other times he said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you all of this. He wants you to, to see the manifestation. But to those that do not know him or those even that don't fully understand him, one of these days he will be revealed in his glory. Okay. Now he says, in that day he which is on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it. <clears throat> and he that's in the field, let him likewise not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. <clears throat> Whosoever shall seek to save his life, in that word suke, soul, mind, will, and emotion, or especially his will, he that seeks to save his soul will lose it. Now, I want to tell you, the gospel of change is that gospel, trying to save your old soul, trying to fast, pray, do whatever you want to do, trying to make your old life better. The only problem with is a seed issue. It's born of a corruptible seed. First Peter one twenty two says what? Seeing you purified your souls. How do you purify your soul? By obeying the truth. It says being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. The way you purify your soul is to believe for a new one. It's a new seed. It's a new soul. And we have that new soul. And whosoever shall lose his soul shall preserve it. And that word means there to be born again. That's rebirth is that word preserved. Now listen, <clears throat> I tell you in that night, there shall be two in one bed. If you've got men and women here, mark it out because it's not in the Greek. He's not talking about two men in one bed. He's not talking about two women. He's talking about your soul. He that saveth his soul will lose it. And he that loses his soul shall find it. He's talking about two souls. Okay. Do you know you can still live in each one with whichever one you want? All right, now listen. There shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be grinding together. One shall be taken, the other left. Two shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. And they said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said, Wherever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. He's saying, Where is the old going to be? Where is the other going to be? Wherever your old body is, there's where your old soul is going to be left. It isn't going anywhere. And the other souls will be taken. But I want to tell you something. Here's the glorious part. When the Son of Man is revealed and he's, we identify him with him in our death, burial, and resurrection, where is our old soul right now? It's seated with him in heavenly places. 
It's already there. We're already in him. We're in union with him and we can't get out. So it's not a matter of someday we're already there. Why do we always want to put this thing off till some other day? It's not. It's now. We're already seated together with him in union right now. But the key is being revealed. He's been revealed to us. And the Holy Spirit's job, Second Corinthians 3.18, we all beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being exchanged. That word change is exchanged into the same image, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, we're seeing him in the fullness as he is day by day. We're growing more in the knowledge of him. And that's why it's so important for us to hear what he's saying and what he's doing in these days. But, you know, death is not optional. If you want to live, you got to die. You can't hang on to that old soul and try to save it if you want the new one. Exchange is exchange. It's kind of like you go to the car lot, you trade in your old car, and you drive off with a new. We want to keep the old one and have the new, and then we can figure out which one we want to drive and what day. It just depends on what mood we're in. That's not exchange. See, and that's what 2 Corinthians 5.19 says. The word reconciliation, you've heard it a hundred times, is the word exchange. We have the ministry of exchange. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> you remember when the, the blind man was born blind and Jesus, after he got kicked out of the church, Jesus found him. Isn't that cool? After they kicked him out, Jesus found him. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? He said, who is he that I might believe? He said, I am. And, and he brought to him the truth. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into the world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And, you know, the Pharisee said, are you talking to us? And he says, well, maybe. And he said, because you say you see, your sin remains. See, he came that we might see. What does that mean? The veil lifted. Our eyes be opened to see what's going on. That's what he wants for us. Oh, amen. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about John 10 a while ago. He was talking to the Pharisees once more. But it says there in that verse, but they understood not what things he was speaking. They were blind. They couldn't see. You know, in John 12, said, though he had done so many miracles before them. Yeah, we know he raised Lazarus from the dead, but, you know, if, if we're not careful, he, we're going to lose our job. We need to kill him. <clears throat> Is that what they said? <sighs> One page too far. John chapter twelve thirty seven says, though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now I want to tell you, let's go back to that word revealed when a son of man revealed. What does it say in Isaiah 53? It says, who hath believed the report? First comes believing the report. Second comes, then the arm of the Lord is revealed. The revelation, the unfolding of Isaiah 53 is all about what Jesus has done for us, spirit, soul, body. You believe the report, then the revelation comes. What is the book of Revelation? 
It's a book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revealing, the unveiling of him. See, that's not someday. He's already done that for us. It's not future. And you know what's astounding, though? It says in Colossians 3.1, if you've been risen with him, you're seated with him in heavenly places. When he comes, he says, you'll come with him. Amen. Amen. If you've been risen with Christ, set your mind on things above for you're dead and your life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ who is your life shall appear, be revealed, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So what's next? Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Don't give them place. Don't go there. And part of your members is that old thing you want to feed and hang on to. That message you like this better because you can hang on to what you've got. But remember, that's a lie. It's deception. Because as Alan says all the time, that man is crucified. He don't live. You're living in deception because he's already been crucified that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth you should not serve sin. Because by one offering, Hebrews says, Jesus took care of sin forever. By one offering, you were sanctified forever. So what is this progressive sanctification? Everybody's been teaching that you get a little better and better as you work harder and pray harder and fast harder. It doesn't line up. You need to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's good, isn't it? Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I think it was, what was it? This last week, the Lord gave us this scripture in coffee shop. And it says in Proverbs 24, 21, My son, fear the king, and meddle not with those that are given to change. Fear the king, fear the Lord, and that word meddle, meddle is exchange, exchange. Do not be exchanging with those that are given to change. And you know what the word change is? It's disguise. It's a hypocrite. That's a play actor. Don't be spending your time with those that are trying to change. Come on. Change is a disguise. When I'm trying to change my old self by fasting, praying, reading Bible verses, I have to come in here on Sunday morning and put on a disguise so you think I'm spiritual. Right? But then you see Mike in exchange, what you see is what you get. That right, Mike. That right. There he is in all his glory. He's not putting on anything. What you see is what you get. It's not a disguise. It's not a play actor. It's the real thing. And change always leads to disguise. It always leads you to try to appear that you're more religious than you may be. But one of the things you do, you always fall short. For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. You remember what Jesus talked about and, and, and he said in John 17 to his disciples, he says, I have manifested your name, Father, to the men you gave me out of the world. They were yours, but you gave them to me and I have revealed it to them. He's not trying to hide things from us. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said here, and, and we like to quote some of the rest of that. All right. Verse 25, I thank the old Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hid those things from the wise and prudent, but has revealed them to babes. When did he say that before? That was in Luke chapter 10. 
And he sent the, he anointed 70 more people and sent them out to heal the sick and cast out devils and do all these things. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the devils are subject to us. And he said, what, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and know all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall anybody by means hurt you. But in this don't rejoice, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and spun like a top. And he said, I thank you, Father, that you've hid these things from the wise and the prudent, but you revealed it to babes, for so it is right in your sight. See, God wants to reveal every bit of it to us. In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. He wants you to know the fullness that we've been given. And the enemy's doing everything else he can. I've said this so many times when I'm taking people through the exchange, and we got a joy to do this, Jen and I did. She got to work with a little girl this week, and I worked with the parents. And this lady, her dad was a pastor for until he got to where he couldn't pastor anymore. And she was, when I was talking to her about the exchange, big old tears rolled down her cheek. She said, I've never heard this before. I've spent my whole life trying to be what I couldn't be. Most Christians spend a lifetime trying to become who they already are. To the enemy's blinded you. You need to do it, try harder. Do something else. He did enough. He said it's finished. And we entered into his rest. Hebrews chapter 4 said if you're going to enter into his rest, first you must cease from your own labors as he did. You cease from your labors, then you can enter into his rest. That's the hardest thing in the world to do when you're driven to strive and struggle and to be better. Amen? Because he made us accepted in the beloved. We can't make ourselves accepted. Amen. But you remember that scripture I said that word is disguised? Let me turn something here just a second. Second Corinthians 11. Oh, it's getting heavy up here now. Second Corinthians 11. I'll be all right. Let me hold on here a minute. Okay. He talks, he says, verse 12, For what I do, that I do, that I may cut off occasion for them which desire occasion, that wherein they may glory, he's talking about in the flesh. For such are false apostles, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers be also transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to the work. And that word is disguised. Transformed is disguised. The same word is change. They are disguised as apostles or angels of light. See, it's not real. It's a deception. Same as that word he said, that, that when you choose to stay in control, you're deceived. It's a deception because you're not in control. You just think you're in control, and you're not. Amen. Oh, gosh. 
You know, when Paul addressed the Galatian church, you know, he gave his heart what he desired. Verse 6 says, I marvel, chapter 1, verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or any angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you than that which we preach to you, let him be accursed. As I said before, and I'll say it again, if any man preach another gospel unto you, other than that that you receive, let him be accursed. What is he saying here? He's saying if you go back to change, the change, there comes a curse with it. Because cursed, it comes when Paul said, you're cursed with a curse when you start in the spirit and go back to the flesh. You're cursed with a curse. And that's a pretty stout statement, isn't it, that he's making there. And, and, you know, he had to deal with it on a daily basis everywhere they went because the Judaizers followed him everywhere he went. And that, honestly, that was his major thorn in the flesh. False brethren coming in on a daily basis. And that's what he, he said. Wow. Romans one twenty five. he talked about this. Those that profess themselves to be wise, he says, they change the glory, verse 23, of the uncorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man. Burge four-footed and creeping things, and God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. That's not their new heart either. To dishonor their bodies between themselves, who exchanged, is that word, the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served a creature more than the creator. See, cursed is a man that trusts in man, that makes flesh his strength, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the tree, it said like a, a, a tumbleweed that just rolls, the message Bible says, rolls in the desert. When you curse, you're cursed when you trust in yourself. And what are you doing when you're trying to change? Who are you trusting? Self. But blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He shall be like the tree planted by rivers of water, and it says what? His leaf will not wither. See the difference? And then he says in the next two or three verses, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God's the only one who can know it because David said, Search my heart, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in your path everlasting. And you know what did David say in Psalms 51? Basically what he said is, Give me a new heart. Cleanse my heart, O God. Give me a new heart. Renew a new heart in me. And renew a right spirit within me. I mean, if you know, I believe he did. Because, you know, this new heart thing is not unique with the New Testament. Because it says of Saul, when God, David, when Saul got anointed to be king, it says when he turned away and walked away, God gave him another heart. And he says he was turned into another man. But... How many of you know he chose to go back to the old one? He was jealous. He was fear of rejection, fear of failure. And he chose to live in who he was, not who he is. That's the warning here. 
Having begun in the Spirit, do you want to go back to who you were? No. That's not who you are. It's who you were. So you don't have to live there anymore. Amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. Back to John 10. Verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring in, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one fold and one shepherd. What's that called? Union. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my soul, that I might take it, receive it again. No man takes my soul from me. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it back and receive it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You've been given the same authority to lay down the old and to take up the new. Put off the old, put on the new. That authority have you received from your Heavenly Father. All authority, Jesus says, has been given to me in heaven and earth. You go therefore. No man takes it from me. They didn't kill Jesus. He gave up the ghost. God won't take your will. You know that we was talking in the coffee shop. You know, that will right there is the strongest part of you that there. You want to hold on to that will. It's part of that old soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion. And that's where they want to hang on to that old will and make their choices. But see, Jesus came. He said, in the volumes of the book, it is written of me, I come to do your will, O God. What? Jesus, for three and a half years, and he came as a man, not as God, in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin, in all points he said, not my will, Father, but your will be done, when he was sweating great drops of blood. Not one time did he choose to do his own will. But he did the will of the Father. So you and I can receive in that garden that place of a new will that we can live by the will of another. We have a new mind, new will, new emotion. We can walk in the newness of life because of what he's done for us. So stand fast in the liberties. Why would you want to go back to death? All that's in that old change message is from the law of sin and death. But Christ redeemed us from the law of sin and death so that we could live in the law of life in Christ Jesus. This made us free. Amen. Okay. We'll finish later. You just got to let it go. Do you know what? You know, if there's anybody here still struggling with their old self, you know how you can tell which one you're in? You spend all day long and who you're thinking about all day. It's a good test. Just thought I'd throw that out. You can tell who you, if you're still in the old if, or if you're in the new, if your mind is set on self or if your mind's set on things above. You can tell which one you're living in. But you know, let me close with this. Now this is stout. Don't shout me down. You promise you won't shout me down? Matthew 24. I know this is not one of them Holy Ghost shouting messages, but afterward it will yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those that are exercised there, real. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if you look up here in verse 40, it's back to the same parable we were discussing in Luke 17. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, one shall be left. Now, he said in verse 42, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. But know this, if the goodman of the house had known what watch the thief comes, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. This house is the temple of the Holy Ghost. All right? Within this, I have authority to which one I'm going to allow to be in charge. Amen? There's an old, there's a new. Therefore, be ye ready for such an hour as ye think not the Son of Men come. Who is that faithful and wise servant? There is your new man, whom the Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them the meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom, when the Lord comes, he shall find doing. Verily I say unto you, he will make him ruler over all his good. New man. But if that evil servant say in his heart, that's the other guy that still lives over there. The evil servant. That one is born of Adam. There's no good in his body. Amen? In my flesh dwells what? No good thing? Okay, that's the evil one. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. But if that evil servant say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and begins to smite his fellow servants and to eat and get drink and get drunken, is it possible to go back over there after you've been enlightened and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, is it possible to go back over and get drunk, Alan? Sure it is. But don't be caught there. That ain't too wise. Don't advise it. Been there and done it. Don't do it. And to eat and get drunk. And the Lord of that servant will come in the day when he looks not for him. And an hour when he's not aware of, and will cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. That's the crowd over there that's trying to change. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, well, that sounds pretty serious. Yeah, it's serious. But the only hope we have, 1 Corinthians 3.11, says there's no other foundation laid, but that which is laid is Christ Jesus. If any man build on this foundation, it's gold, silver, and precious stones. But there's also wood, hay, and stubble. That's that other man. That's the evil man. And every man's works will be made manifest by the fire because the day will declare it. And they will be judged according to a man's works. But it will be tested by fire. And if a man's works remain, he will receive a reward. But if they're burned up, he'll suffer loss. But he himself yet shall be saved, yet as by fire. It's not necessarily sending you to hell. But it means everything you've done is going to see it go up in smoke. Don't be caught there. You have a choice. Bring into captivity what? Every thought to the obedience of what Christ has done for you. Stand in your obedience. He is your identity. You looking for your identity? Christ is your identity. And Christ who is your life shall appear. Everything is we're living by the life of another. That's Christ. It's simple. And you walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill all this other junk. You try to resist all this other junk and stop it, you'll be trapped in it the rest of your life. The way out is the way of death. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. And, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to help us to see, Lord, there's a balance here. And, Lord, we know that the, the grace message has been abused by so many.
That's why some of these people are preaching against the grace message because they've seen the abuse. But, Lord, we know your word says in Titus that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. The grace has come to teach us to deny that, not to receive it, that we're to live soberly, righteously, and justly in this present world, looking for that blessed and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I ask you to help us to receive not the grace of God in vain, but, Lord, we allow the grace, the Holy Spirit, to exchange us to be in the very image of Christ Jesus, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Because as he is in this present world, 1 John four seventeen, because you are his body.